to episode 80 of Running Matters Podcast. We're here at Base Camp Altitude above the clouds at 2,500 metres above sea level. So thanks for Base Camp for having us today. Shout out to the Wolfman who's on editing duty this week. And also thank you to our podcast partners, Goo Energy, Fractal Performance Headwear, Sydney Brewery, Guy Morales Health Centre, Base Camp Altitude of course, Precision Hydration, Ranulla, and our shiny new partner, Raidlight. Uh, Raidlight have been kind enough to offer our listeners 20% off store-wide. So jump on and have a look at all their uh, amazing trail running gear at raidlight.com.au. And if you use the, uh, the tagline, Running Matters 20, yeah, they'll, they'll give you 20% off all their packs and, uh, and running gear there. So our, our, our special guest today uh, on Running Matters is one of those blokes that ticks a lot of boxes. He's a dual Aussie representative, has a master's degree, has cycled across not one but two continents, has a pretty impressive rig and what I can see, a fairly tidy salad. So what else could you ask for? So welcome to the show, Mick Chapo Chapman. How are you, mate? Good, thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, no worries at all, mate. Good to get in touch. Now, mate, you grew up in uh, beautiful downtown Tamworth. Uh, yeah, how was that sporting sort of beginning for you, mate? Yeah, it's uh, grew up in the country, which was I, I would I would take that as a as a positive. I really enjoyed growing up there with my with my brother and my family. Um, in terms of the sporting realm, I grew up as as I said with a, with an older brother, so I kind of always had that uh, I had that competition in me from an early age because uh, I always had someone to chase, right? So. He was older and a bit stronger and a bit better at that point, so I, uh, I was always chasing him around, whether it was triathlon or soccer or, or touch footy, it was, uh, I always had someone there to, to push me, so uh, I really enjoyed going up there, and I just think uh, what brought me down here was, one, the beach, <laughs> a bit closer to the beach, and then uh, as well as university, so went down to University of Wollongong to, to study nutrition and public health. Yeah. Okay. Oh, fantastic. And, and so I believe touch footy was one of the early early loves there, mate. Um, and you ended up representing Australia as a youngster. How, how did you get into that, and and what pushed you forward so far there? Yeah, it was uh, it was a family background in in the sport. It, it's a it's a really good sport to be honest. And and I met some some really good mates there. Uh, I did. I was lucky enough to have success early on in in that sport. Uh, I had yeah my first tour of New Zealand was when I was fifteen. Yeah. Um, and yeah, obviously that was while I was still at school, so I really kind of took that uh, by the reins and and really enjoyed that experience and it kind of shaped where I wanted to be and and I guess where I saw success with that sport was was more to do with my hard work. I was never, mm. I was never the, the one finishing tries. I was never the one um, setting them up. I, I was the person that was driving the ball down the field and, yeah, yeah. and trying to work hard for it. So, I mean, I, I enjoyed that, that aspect of it. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, that's kind of shaped what I hold as values today as well. So, yeah. I, I mean, the, the value of sport and, and, and running as you well aware is, mm. is, um, is so valuable across all life lessons, I guess. Mm. And, and it seems to be a really part of country life as well. Do you, do you think it was a, an advantage to grow up in that sort of environment as far as being a sportsman ongoing? Yeah, I'd say so. It really did shape the way that I saw things and, and the way that uh, I guess I was brought up. And I, I was lucky enough to have 
that support from my family because I'd say one thing in that sporting realm and, and you look at different uh, athletes in different sports that have come from certain regions and you kind of take that Riverina area as well mm. that's absolutely just chock-a-block full of prime athletes mm. whether it's AFL, um, running, football, whatever it is there's, there, there is something that seems to be something in the water in certain country, country areas the, the only uh, downside is, is opportunity that you do get in the city and, mm. and as I said I was, I was lucky enough to have a supportive family that I was at stages there I was coming down to Sydney every second week or third week which is a six hour drive <laughs> down and back yeah. um, just to just to be a training or, or something like that and um, it did really excel um, I guess the, the lengths of where I could go and, and I really enjoyed that um, but that's not possible again without the support of family. No, no, of course. And I guess speaking of family and having that drive chasing your big brother around, at, at what point did, uh, did you end up passing, you know, when, when did that happen? Oh, I don't know, you have to interview him there. <laughs> I don't want to say an age but uh, it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was always something that was there and, and I always had that internal drive whether it was you know chasing him or, or you know something on touch field or something else and and I think the beauty of of sport or, or running is is that ability as well to completely switch off it doesn't matter what your day has been like as well and I really enjoyed that aspect of it because I mean if you're playing a game of touch football or if you're pretty deep in a hurt locker in a, in a long run it, it's hard to think about the rest of your day it's hard to think about you know how shit your boss is or whatever it's it doesn't it's uh you're completely taken away yeah it's always from perspective i just have a distinct memory of my brother becoming taller than my younger brother becoming taller than me at one point and i was just really depressed so yeah. I thought he might have had that sort of moment, you know? yeah maybe there's something still lingering in his brain I'm not sure. <laughs> i guarantee there is mate yeah. absolutely and so from that sort of early tour at 15 how long did you sort of follow the the aussie um touch footy through to yeah, it's a good question. I kind of always had uh, other things on the cards in terms of triathlon was quite big when I was in when I was at school as well. I did a fair few camps when I was younger, and it got to a point. And I, I mean, I was playing a bit of rugby then as well, and it it got to a point where uh, I was kind of in my mid twenties, and there was a time to I guess start specialising a little bit more, or because I mean, there was no way that I was going to be able to be big enough to actually play competitive rugby, like be competitive at rugby union yeah. um, as well as be quick enough uh, you know off the bike in a triathlon so um, you know and, and I guess this comes back to the the work that I do we talk about physical literacy in kids because um, physical literacy is being able to kick a ball to throw a ball um, sometimes when our kids specialize too early in a certain sport they actually miss out on that physical literacy, which is yeah. the whole realm, and it might actually affect the way that they, you know, play mixed touch footy when they're thirty or whatever. Yeah. So, um, I really, I guess, will come to it. But uh, you know, the, where I work at the moment, it, it's given me a lot of value in, in I guess, and, and hindsight in, in the way that I was brought up. Yeah, um, yeah. Being able to do play whatever sport, kick a ball around, do whatever, yeah. and, um, and and seek value from that. Yeah. Yeah, I reckon that's so valuable. Um, and I remember distinctly playing some uh, some pretty low grade soccer at one point, and playing against an Olympic swimmer. Yeah. And fuck, he was terrible. <laughs> it's good to have over someone. Man. <laughs> That's right. But yeah, you, and there's this real push for early specialisation from a lot of, I guess, your pushy parent. But 
there, there is so much value in keeping nice and general and specialising late. Like, yeah. So many good examples that we talk to within the yeah. running community that they've come from somewhere else. You know, yeah. they, they haven't followed that sort of little A's gun 1500 metre runner yeah. through to going to the Olympics. They've yeah. sort of had a break there or they've come from another sport and then yeah. gone strong later on in life. I'd actually say that I uh, I seek a lot of value in, in taking that break as well, just mm. in, in uh, kind of a 12 month period. I find that I value training more and I get more enjoyment out of training and racing uh, when I've taken a bit of a break, whether that's a couple of weeks or a month here and there, mm. when things are a bit lower and, and I feel like you come back with more urgency. So it's... Yeah. Um, there's something about that where, as you yeah, said, you yeah. take a bit of a break and, and enjoy sports a lot more when you come back to them. Yeah, for sure. And so you say you're sort of competing in triathlon all the way through by the sounds of things. At, at what point did that become more serious? I mean, I talked about being a dual representative, which I don't get to use very often on this <laughs> particular show, but you also represent Australia in triathlon. So yeah, at what point did you, I guess, yeah, transition and, and take that quite seriously? Um, it was always, yeah, it was always something that was in the back of my mind, I guess, um, to caveat that it's, um, I, you know, I went to age group world champs, so it's nothing, I mean, there's a lot of people that do go to age group, um, world champs, but, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a fair jump between what I was doing and what the professional boys are doing mm-hmm. in terms of, um, day in, day out. Um, I was lucky enough to see, um, three world champs, mm-hmm. um, and strangely came eighth in all three <laughs> against different people. But um, how fast was the part? You come eighth in three championships. Uh, so I think the first one was twenty fourteen, and then I did two races kind of back to back in twenty seventeen. I think. Yeah, right. Completely different people. So bizarre. Some sort of Chinese, you know, uh, yeah. numeral thing. Yeah, it must be. Yeah. <laughs> That's bizarre. <laughs> oh, Impressive to be able to get over and travel with it, that sort of stuff. Yeah, That's, I love that. I love yeah. being able to, you know, see the world and, and, and be able to, you know, play sport or, or be competitive at the same time. It's the dream. Yeah, amazing. Uh, were you one of these triathletes who, you know, fairly dominant sort of runner or a bit of, bit of an all-rounder there? I guess I grew up with running and swimming as, as a background. Uh, I would say that, yeah... When, when I'm strong, I'd say my bike is quite good, okay. um, but I really do like coming off the bike um, as a runner pushing um, and, and, and pushing hard and see. I, I mean, the, usually uh, what, my, what I enjoy is, is, or what I hold myself to is, is not being beaten off the bike. So mm-hmm. wherever I come off the bike, I either improve that place or I stay there. Yeah. Um, there's no going backwards so yeah good i yeah, love it yeah. and and from what i've seen in the last 12 months a uh, 15 something 5k you're you know pretty sharp around the track there too yeah i enjoy i've actually enjoyed the shorter stuff recently and that's kind of been thanks to um the guys at run crew i've um, yeah. trained with them pretty consistently over the last two years yeah. um and yeah I've, I've just jumped purely based on on covid i kind of jumped into the track um, and did a little bit more focus in the last couple of months last year and yeah got a I think it was a 15.45 in the 5 and a 8.52 in the 3 wow smoking um, yeah and I, I kind of attribute that to the background in touch footy as well like yeah, I really yeah. enjoy that that shorter explosive stuff I guess and, and being able to finish in a race as well yeah and um, we've spoken to a few guys from the run crew crew I guess um, yeah how, how do you find that environment seems like a pretty supportive bunch it's a it's a great environment at the moment. Um, I mean, it's there's 
you know, the, the top echelon of, of runners in Australia at the moment and you kind of take any any race and there's been a run crew member that has won it in the past or, yeah. or has won it this year in terms of kind of you go from city to surf to um, state state titles. So um, to be around that kind of group, and I've said this to people before, that you, you surround yourself with people that are better than you and, and they'll always pull you along. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the environment that I kind of thrive in and um, it's, yeah, and I mean, it's just got such a range of athletes, right, at, at Run Crew and there's, there is, you know, everything from, you know, your elite to, to your mums um, with a few kids that, that really just want to push a couple, a couple of races throughout the year and it is a really good culture, I'd say, and um, it is that push to the next level kind of culture of, of you know, we've, we're hungry and, and, and we're ready for the next level. Unreal. And you see yourself racing some track stuff or are we back to the triathlons this year? Yeah, uh, jumped in on Husky um, this year, so and and Noosa later in the year. So I, I want to enjoy that training, so I'm slowly easing myself back into that, and that it's enjoyable at the moment. So I'll I'll do that. Um, I mean, yeah, I've, I've still got some some things that I want to do in terms of um, the track, and and maybe maybe shorter. I'm not sure, mm. um, but yeah, I'm just as I said before, it's about that. Um, taking a step back, reassessing kind of what sport or what uh, what thing to do, and and then just go after it and, and really enjoy that process rather than um, just getting caught up in the whole race, train, race, train, and, and yeah. just burn out. Yeah, it's an interesting little cycle, isn't it? Like there's just this uh, what's next mentality and gets sucked up in the group there, yeah. and then you just do the Sydney five k because it's next, and then yeah. the national five k because it's next. It's yeah. been interesting, I think, because COVID has reshape that yeah right so last year everyone was kind of 90 percent fit and then uh, you know within two weeks they had to specialize so it's yeah. really changed the ball game and it really suited i guess some road running events but more so the track events mm-hmm. where people were just absolutely exploding and pbs were dropping the front and center yeah. Yeah. because people were so fit in that COVID time and then they were able to go all right well this is the race i have to focus on because there's nothing else mm-hmm. Yes, it's pretty sharp focus there, definitely. And, and I think you can probably attribute some of that PB stuff to a really extended block of base training, I guess, yeah. without the interruption of races to sort of get in the way, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the amount of records getting, getting broken last year was phenomenal in a, yeah. in a year without racing. So, yeah. yeah, we'll see what they can all do this year. See if they can qualify for the Olympics. But, uh, we'll see. <laughs> all right, so... I mean, that's all some really impressive stuff, you know, like dual representative, touch footy, triathlon. What I really want to dig into is a couple of, uh, I guess, very specialised events that you just made up yourself. So, <laughs> we mentioned before that you've cycled across two continents. So, I guess we'll start with continent one, uh, North America. So, I want to know exactly at what point you decided, yeah, it's a good idea to ride from Vancouver to New York. Yeah, so I guess there was a bit of a crazy idea in my head that I wanted to do something before I left Canada. So I was living over there for two years and I wasn't in the career that I wanted, right? So I wasn't um, progressing that way, but I was really enjoying the lifestyle with the mates that I had over there. So uh, it was probably time to come home after that two year gap. And I had a couple of months where I was like, there's not much happening after the rugby season. um, And... You know that's when I was planning on flying home so I said what 
what, what could I possibly do here? I was thinking about a, a run potentially that was quite long, um, but decided on the, on the ride. And uh, the more I kind of gave that fire, I guess I gave, gave that fuel, it, it just kept, uh, kept burning pretty strong. And I ended up, um, most afternoons, I was doing the logistics after work at a cafe, so I'd, I'd go and sit at a cafe and, and do the logistics literally of every single day and how it might look based on kilometres and, and towns and all that sort of thing. And then, I mean, I was out, out with a really good mate, Cam, who um, I was close with at the time and, and just said to him, mate, what, what, are, your, what are your thoughts on, on um, coming across with me? And like, he's not a cyclist, he, I played rugby with him. And, and so we just bought, we actually bought a van and uh, yeah, he, straight away he's like, I'm in, let's, let's do it. So he, yeah, he drove, we did a, technically did a road trip and yeah, I yeah. cycled it, so. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, that's unreal. So what, what are the, what are the stats there? Like how many days, how many kilometers? Yeah, oh, I forget now, I think it was around five and a half thousand K mm-hmm. um, into Times Square. And I guess the, the funniest thing about Times Square is I rode in there and no one had a clue what I was doing. <laughs> it's just the biggest anti-climax to go, oh, I'm done. And <laughs> no one around the, it's kind of cool though because me and Ken right. knew exactly what it was and it was like this is great so that's all that mattered um, but yeah five, I think it's five and a half thousand uh, it was 45-ish days okay. uh, I had a few rest days in that one and then uh, yeah I think it was averaged around 150k a day okay. yeah roughly yeah and, and prior to that you know what what's your biggest sort of um you know, day-to-day, multi-stage sort of cycling thing. How, how far um, have you I've done, like, I've done a block for Ironman. I've done an Ironman before, so um, kind of knew, well, I knew my way around the bike yeah. um, enough and, and had the right conversations before I started with my old triathlon coach, um, Alex Price down in Wollongong, uh, and kind of a few people that I knew were decent bike mechanics because I was yeah. like, that's the one thing that I want to make sure so doesn't stop, stop me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, so that that was that was uh, that was that one, and I mean, I really enjoyed it. It was one of those things where I was like, it was probably one of the coolest things I've ever done, and, and without just going, fuck it, mm. let's go, let's dive fully into this, mm. I would would have never done it. And I mean, um, and on that note, it's kind of one of those things where if if you think about it or can dream about it or write it down on paper, like literally anything's possible. It's so lame to say, but um, yeah. that's how it started. That's how it started. That's literally how it started. I just started writing some stuff down and thinking about it in my head. Yeah, yeah. And next minute I'd yeah, roll on into Times Square. It's <laughs> amazing. How long from that sort of initial conception to taking off? Like how long did you give yourself to, to plan for this thing? For that one, I would have said close to six to nine months for that one. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Significant um, time. And that, that was because I, I would say the hardest part was logistics mm. and the fact we didn't have a van yet. So <laughs> that no, no, you know, accommodation or transportation at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was quite tricky. Uh, I would say subsequently since that, that, that time frame has come down a lot in terms of uh, planning and logistics and things. Yeah, so you've done yeah. it for. Yeah, you know where you're going. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, it's um, it's one of those things I've heard, pro- probably more so over the last twelve months because there's been no racing on. There's yeah. A lot of people dream up this stuff. Yeah. And they'll literally be out there very very quickly afterwards without putting a great deal of thought into it. So I actually really appreciate the fact that you've chucked a whole bunch of uh, effort into that planning yeah. stage because I reckon that's there's so much more value in finishing something that you put. 
that effort into putting yeah. together rather than just going, you know what, I'm going to run around Australia and I'm yeah. going to get off tomorrow and then yeah. I'm going to fuck it up within yeah. 300 yeah. days. So like, it's kind of cool though as well, you, you know, without without failing, without failing at stuff, you don't get anywhere either, right? So, I mean, yeah, my advice is to throw yourself into anything and yeah, yeah, yeah. if you get it done, it's unreal. If you, if you don't, you learn from it. So. Very true, yeah. very true. I'm too... Far too cynical. Far too cynical. <laughs> and so, I mean, from a logistical point of view, did you have any dramas, I guess, with um, negotiating that part of the world? Like, was it was it difficult to get through? Oh, um, yeah, different states. <laughs> Obviously, you know, travelling across the border there as well. Yeah, plenty. So, when we first came across the border, I obviously gave my passport and I was I was still dressed in cycling kit and, and he's like, well, he saw, saw Cam in the van and I was on the bike and... He just had so many questions for us and we didn't have a flight out from New York yet. We hadn't booked out. I hadn't booked my flight out of New York. Kim was going back into Canada. It was it was a nightmare to get into America. Yeah. Yeah. And he just had so many questions because he's like, why would you do that? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> well, that's a fair question. <laughs> so that was, uh, that was day one when we dropped into America from Vancouver. Yeah. Um, no, it was, just, it was just so fascinating. Another, I guess another really good story was when we rolled into, I believe it was Yellowstone National Park. Yeah, yeah. And uh, usually Cam would kind of leapfrog me and, and I'd see him in 50, 100 Ks, whatever, for lunch or, or to wrap up the day. And as soon as, we, as soon as we got into Yellowstone, Cam took off in the van and I started riding and then I saw a moose that was no joke three times the size of me. <laughs> and I was, I was actually shit scared. So I had to kind of tuck him behind a car a little bit as we, the car was just rolling its wheels just to get past this, yeah, yeah. this animal. And, I mean, it was just so majestic, but I was also shitting myself. <laughs> so I was like, I called Cam, I was like, mate, we might have to reel it in here because the wildlife was crazy. Yeah, there, was, yeah. there was bison and everything in there. So, and I had bear spray, which was the size of a, probably a hairspray bottle in the back. Just in, stuck in the back of your nicks there. Yeah, so we, we, um, we were pretty tight on money when we were over there. So we, uh, we got one that was kind of tiny handheld one. And uh, we're going to purchase that for ten dollars or whatever. And the lady was like, "Don't, don't you dare buy that! Don't waste your money." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, You're just right. going to piss the bear off, pretty much. You, get, you need this. <laughs> need the big dog. Yeah. Oh man, that's so funny. So. What's, the, what's the average speed of a moose, mate? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we'll be able to outrun it. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And so, like, border security, logistics. What about? food mate how, how did you go like, how, I mean being a nutritionist you've got to have a fairly decent handle on this how many calories you're knocking out per day with 150k's on the bike yeah I didn't actually I didn't measure it on, on that trip because there was a lot more going on but I mean uh, I guess nowadays that's probably something that would be a lot more within my control to, yeah. to, to get around um, I would say that you know race nutrition or, or, or nutrition during something like that is is quite specific to an individual and um, I guess on that something that I I would use throughout a, a longer distance race or event is, is cliff bars quite a lot yeah. I, I don't touch them day to day I couldn't yeah, even yeah. look at them day to day but but that's what works for me your body wants that yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's just one of those things where if it works it works and yeah. I'm, I'm sure a lot of your listeners are you know have their own little tweaks on on nutrition and yeah. Um, yeah. Th- there's no need to change that yeah okay for sure no I tried the cliff bar yeah yeah muscle that down during the 100 
A bit different on the bike, I think, yeah. yeah running's a <laughs> different beast at more time. Yeah. Man, I, I believe you had a little run in with George Washington while you were out on the trails there, mate. Oh, can, wow. you, can you feel us here on that? <laughs> I was hoping this didn't come up. But <laughs> <laughs> we, we love a good poo story. <laughs> I mean, if you're if you're a runner and you don't have a poo story, then, um, I mean, you do something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, yeah, the story with George Washington was that... Uh, we were trying to find the, um, what's it called, Mount Rushmore, yep, yep. and we were kind of speeding through the back back kind of countryside of, of America and really had no idea where we were going and it was starting to get dark, so I was saying to Cam, like, we've, got to, we've got to get there before it shuts kind of thing. And um, so anyway, we, we were struggling, I was like, Cam, we've got to, got to pull over now, we've got to pull over. So anyway, pulled over, was off in the, uh, in the bushes doing, doing my thing, and uh, we didn't realise how close we were to Mount Rushmore, and I'm not sure if anyone's ever been there, but there's to the side of, of Mount Rushmore is actually the profile of George Washington. We had no idea that we were in that exact car park, and I was, you know, over in the bushes, and I looked over and I said, "Cam, I think I found it." <laughs> <laughs> so George Washington was having a yeah little um, cheeky look while. Cheeky I was, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, mate. Good celebrity sighting. Yeah. Impressive. All right, so we get into uh, Times Square, five and a half squealing kilometres. We fly back to Australia to start our life again, and you decide to have another crack. So from the north to the very southern tip of Australia, going from, is it Cape Tribulation down to the tip of Tassie there? Yeah. Um, how, how long in between drinks, you know, how long did it take you to get that one up and running? So that was, I did America in 2015 and then did Australia in 2018. Yep. Uh, so a couple of years ago now. Uh, yeah, so again, did, did a fair bit of research on that one and, and Cape Tribulation is actually where the paved road stops. Mm-hmm. Um, there's hundreds of kilometres north of that, but yeah. I would have had to have taken a four-wheel drive a mountain bike, and a mountain bike, yeah, so it wasn't worth that time. Mm-hmm. So I just took a, uh, just took a roadie and a, and a TT bike on that one. Um, this was one that I, I kind of had done it before and I was hungry to get after something a little bit higher yeah, so yeah. I actually didn't stop I didn't have a rest day until Melbourne mm-hmm. um, so I went Cape Trip which is just north of Cairns through to Melbourne in 26 days I think and yeah. then I did Tassie in one day yeah um, I think I had four or five flats in the whole ride and three of those flats were on the last day in Tassie so <laughs> that, was, that was a long day <laughs> oh, that's brutal yeah. And then, yeah, I'm assuming you had similar support crew for this yeah thing. it was really good because i was able to rope in a lot of a lot of good mates uh along different sections of the yeah. ride so it was really good i had mates that rode with me i had mates that were in the van just supporting i had mates that you know we had um you know we had dinner or, or beers with at certain at certain points and i was really fortunate to actually have my dad for the first two weeks of that um so it was really cool i mean the first half of the day was was cycling from about you know five thirty six o'clock till you know, any 11, 12 o'clock, and then in the afternoon, we'd find somewhere to park the camper van and just enjoy a few beers, and yeah. Dad was doing Sudoku or whatever it is, and um, yeah, I was reading a book or something on, on the beach. recovery, mate. It was unreal, yeah. Fantastic. And so, I mean, apart from kicking back with a couple of beers, you have sort of a strategy to, I guess, get the body prepared for the next day there? Were you doing anything specific? Not, not really. I mean, where I could, I'd try and get in a in a pool or a, a cold shower somewhere and yep. um, try and refresh a little bit. That wasn't always an option. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's fascinating what the body's capable of doing, and mm. and I've said this to people before, where 
I guess people that don't cycle or don't have a have a background in in that endurance kind of those endurance sports are like, oh, that must have been you must have been struggling by the end. And yeah. and I said this um, to the boys on a, on a different podcast to say. Um, that I, I felt really, really strong in the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess that's just that adaptation of, of the body. So yep. it was just that ability to, to back up and just trust your body to say, it's, you know, this is our new normal and we've got to deal with this and um, consume what you need to consume from a nutrition point of view, get enough sleep, mm-hmm. and we're back on tomorrow. So interesting. I've spoken to a few cyclists who've done, you know, in the week-long tour or a couple of weeks of that sort of stuff. And you seem to be able to get fitter while you're cycling. I mm. guess it's such a different different thing to run in. I don't know if it's the impact or what it is, but I don't think you could run in the same way and feel stronger in the second two, yeah. Like, you know? Yeah, potentially. It's 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 uh and that's why I think triathlon's such a unique sport because I think the the cycling and the swimming really feeds into the recovery aspect of the running. Because yeah. I mean as as runners would know there's you know, uh, there's a certain point where you start to get, um, you know, over, overuse injuries, I guess, from, yep. from those Ks building up each week. And, yep. and I mean, you can take that away from being on, on a bike, still getting the, the heart rate um, yep. up quite a lot. Um, and then swimming, you know, uh, has its own effects as well. So mm. it's, yeah, it's just a fascinating kind of trade-off, yeah, I guess. Yeah, there's a, a variety in that balance associated with mm. it. But you're always working that heart and lungs, I mm. guess, so... Yeah. yeah, it's an interesting one. Mate, I've got um, got a bit of a theory. I've done a bunch of 100k trail running events and I, and I reckon like after the thir- first 30k's, your body doesn't get much worse and it's all a bit of a mind game after that. So you sort of face that sort of similar transition when you're doing these these massive things. Like, does the body just get to a point where it's, it's just as sore as it would be throughout there? Yeah, I, I guess so. And there was definitely points where it was it was quite tough. I'd say day three or day four, I actually had the wrong saddle on my on my seat on my bike, mm-hmm. and I was getting some pretty severe saddle sores. So I actually tried to modify my seat, and then I had to actually buy a new one when we got into a, a bigger town. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, there are those points where that really does challenge you. But um, yeah, I guess it's that opportunity for your body and your mind as well, just to go, this is what we have to do. Mm. And um, again, to reference a, a, an ex-triathlon coach, you, you've got to just treat it as, as the new normal and mm-hmm. you don't you don't give yourself um, that option to, to pull out. Yeah. Um, you just turn up and, and use it almost as a, as a work reference. You wouldn't not turn up to work. You just mm-hmm. have to do it. So, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Us- using it as that analogy and I mean if you've trained so hard to do something like UTA and mm. you're 30k's in it's like well we're here now we're getting it done <laughs> why not yeah, yeah. I always sort of say you know the time's going to pass anyway we might as well just get to the finish line yeah you know? perfect it's, yeah. Like, it's like going to work I guess yeah you know, just ticking them off yeah mate I, I, I've heard you talk about a certain calmness on the start line sort of knowing you put in as much physical and mental prep as possible were you calm when you left the blocks in Vancouver and Cape Trib, or was there an anxiety associated with the unknown there? Yeah, I guess there's a bit of both, really, with, with that kind of event, because you, you actually don't know what the next day is going to hold or a week's going to hold. You don't even know if you're going to make it down the whole of Australia. I'm not, I'm not sure. You don't even know if you're going to get across the Queensland border. Mm-hmm. So 
Um, yeah, there's some anxiety, but I mean, it, it depends the way you, you frame that in your mind. And it, it can be anxiety and you can like that absolutely cripple you. Or you can go, man, this is a complete unknown. I'm going to take it, take it by the horns and, and let's do this and see what, what happens. Because I'm going to be a different person when I finish this. Mm. So yeah, and do you think you were? Yeah, definitely. It yeah. was it was one of those things that I'll always look back on, and I mean, um, I don't know what the future holds again. I don't know if you know when when we can when we're able to fly overseas that Europe isn't an option, or mm-hmm. that I that I start to tick off a few more continents. I'm not sure. So mm. it's something that always ticks over in the back of my mind is kind of that what's next, and I'm assume, assuming a lot of people that probably listen to this podcast are are those people that are like what's next yeah, absolutely there's some drive out there and i think the year off is probably only added to that yeah drive. definitely yeah uh, for sure anyway we'll wait and see <laughs> mate I've, I've, I've had a flood of listener questions into you which i'm not surprised about um but what we might do first is, is just push over to sean or Renala to just do a quick shoe review on the brooks cascadia 15 and find out how bloody comfortable that thing is all right Okay, we're here at Guy Me Allied Health and I'm here with Sean, the godfather Tyndale from Ranulla. We're here to talk about the Brooks Cascadia 15. How are you, Sean? Great, Paul. Good, mate. You've Good to up, be back. Good to be back. training, mate. You've been... I have, yes. yes. Just doing some sneaky sessions. Good. Uh, yeah, Good. not, you know, keeping a low wrap on it, but hopefully... <laughs> I'll come out surprising some people, but yeah. Mate, I don't think you'll surprise anyone. I think they're, <laughs> they're expecting big things out of you. And uh, what's what's on the, the race calendar then? What, what do you got coming up? Mate, well, it's good to be back after a bit of an absence, yeah. uh, doing some reviews. And uh, next weekend, I'm heading to oh, yeah. the, down to Kosciuszko to yeah. tackle the uh, Alpine Ascent. Yeah. Um, 25Ks? 25Ks, as... Anyone who raced it last year, we all I got blown off the mountain. Yeah, yeah. So I never got to the top. Oh, right. Yes, the winds so, were that bad okay. that they actually stopped you from going to the summit. They should have taken one look at your leg strength and let you go, <laughs> I reckon. You I tried like... to fight to get up there, but no. <laughs> yeah, but no, it was pretty pretty horrendous conditions yeah, 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 to yeah. race in. But yeah, yeah hopefully this be able to uh, see a bit of uh, get a beautiful chip. scenery this year. So get to 2,228 metres altitude at the top of Kosciuszko. Yes, yeah. But you've just been at two and a half thousand metres up at base camp, so, so you'll be sweet. Easy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah should fly out. Unreal. Yeah, if uh, yeah, if I don't, well, I'll blame you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll cop that. I'll cop that for sure. So, mate, I've been, I've been testing out these, these shoes for a couple of weeks now, the Brooks Cascadia. Yeah. The 15th in the line of Cascadia. 15th, so which means the shoe has been, it's 15th season, so it's yeah. survived... 15 years, mm. uh, it's Brooks's pretty much most popular trail shoe. Okay. Uh, yeah, been around for a long time. Uh, it's it's in the neutral category, of, so it suits someone with a medium to high arch. Mm. 312 grams, so it is a little bit heavy, which is probably yeah, some of the feedback uh, which we're getting is that the shoe is a little bit heavier than other, other brands. Mm. Um, it's an eight mil drop, um, so Got yeah. that little bit of heel raise, and uh, it comes in two widths. So that's the beauty of it. Um, if you've got a narrow foot, it does have a D normal fitting, and it's got a 2E uh, wider fitting through the toe box, which I think you've got. So if you like a little bit more room yeah. through the toe, um, yeah, it's it's got those two those width options that you can try. Yeah, yeah certainly noticed that um, 
yeah, that, that width and that room to move up the front, that was that was really nice. Straight out of the box, that felt really comfortable compared to a couple other types of shoe that were a bit, bit sort of restricted yeah. around the edges there. Yeah, it's got the rock plate, obviously, as well, uh, built in, um, which obviously protects your foot from rocks and uh, tree stumps and twigs. So, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's a good shoe. And as you've probably you've noticed, it's got... It's, got the unique pivot point system uh, um, in this shoe, which it's got four posts, um, mm. two laterally in the either side of the forefoot okay. and two in the heel. Yep. And they're just sort of like harder, denser foam blocks yeah, right. um, that keep your foot in a better position mm. um, to strike evenly when you're going over uneven terrain. Yeah, so that's right. sort of, if you do need a shoe that's a little bit stable, mm. that's it's probably why a lot of people go into it um, yeah. if you do that. So it's got those four posts. Um, the new upper, it's got an update this year from 14, which is the it's a just a th- uh, engineered monolith mesh or 3D print upper. So there's no stitching okay. at all. It's so no rubbing there. No rubbing. It's just nice and smooth. It, it fits like a sock yeah. um, and moves sort of with your foot. So mm. uh, that's one of the updates from last year, okay. which has been a big improvement. But yeah, and as you said, you, you're talking to me about you before we were um, a lot of clay and mud. Mm. Um, they've widely spaced the four millimeter lugs, yep. uh, multi-directional lugs. They're about four millimeters apart, and that's feedback's been that it's it's getting rid of a lot of the mud that gets stuck there, not holding and, in there, and not holding in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. which is another another sort of benefit. Yeah, no, I mate, mean, I definitely noticed that ability to handle the yeah the dirt and the mud over the last few days been raining in sydney and, and being pretty wet out there and made it lapped it up it was really yeah. really solid right. so coming down uh, into temptation creek which is a local hill for us yeah just bombing down really comfortably and, and felt some excellent traction yeah, yeah change of direction that sort of stuff was good so no, i was really pleased with the way it handled that terrain yeah no it's and it's, if you if you're a brooks lover and you love your road shoes I suggest keeping sort of to that that brand. Uh, this is the shoe for you. I think it's a, it's a great shoe. Yeah, mate. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I had a couple of little transitional runs, I suppose, where I was moving between the road and the trail, and, and it seemed to handle that transition really well. Yeah. Sort of, you know, running on the on the pavement in between the trails perfectly. So not like these super luggy shoes where you you can't sort of do that. It, it yeah. handled that sort of hybrid nature. Yeah, pretty nicely. Um, and, and certainly felt that little bit of stability that you talked yep. about. So I'm a pretty neutral foot, pretty straight up and down there. But as you get a bit of fatigue, obviously you start to roll in a little bit through the arches there. And, and I felt like it was offering me that little bit of support. Yeah, just in that gives sense. you that pivot. Yeah. yeah, so rather than being a support based shoe, it's a neutral shoe that, 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 that gives you some gives support. Gives you that little bit, yeah. Yeah, so mate, yeah, I was really impressed. I, th- I thought the, um, the extra weight no, not really particularly noticeable for, for training runs at all. And I reckon this shoe will lap up a heap of Ks. Like, I reckon it'd be a nice, comfortable shoe to do your long sort of yeah. volume in. Yeah, um, I think it's a good training, lots of volume shoe. And yeah. then, yeah, something a little bit lighter for race day. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's ex- exactly how I'd, I'd probably use it. And um, as I said, pre- pretty solid on all types of terrain there. So you could take it pretty much anywhere. Yeah. And mate, pretty flash colours too, you know. Mate, bit stick, of fluoro yellow. Won't get there. lost. Won't get lost. <laughs> <laughs> Spot on. I need that. I need that. Looking mate, forward well, to six foot. 
I am. A couple of weeks yep. to go. Yeah, feel like we're on, on track. It's great, great to see some events going ahead. No, so it's exciting. Pinning a number on for the first yes. time in a while. Yeah. So, yeah, get the old uh, paper clips out and stick it <laughs> on the shorts. No, I think the thing should be should be good. And it's a really solid um, yeah, field going up there too because there's been no racing exactly, on the trail. Yeah. So it should be a pretty ding-dong battle up the front. And some of the boys from Norg might be battling out no. in the mid-pack there. Looking forward to that too. Looking forward to hearing the results. <laughs> uh, watch your space. Hopefully you get a day that's 28 degrees and 100% humidity. That'll be nice. <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> um, what else is going on down at the shop, mate? Anything? Brand new shop. Brand new shop. Going yeah. well. Yeah. yeah, loving the new space. Yeah, uh, yeah bigger, brighter, mm-hmm. lot, lot more open space, a bit more inviting. Um, so, yeah, just... Yeah, a lot of new stock coming in, so come down, um, check it out, and obviously with UTA coming up, oh, we yeah. are a gear check store specialist, so yeah, yeah. if you've got any questions regarding gear, yeah. anyone doing the 100 need their gear checked, uh, we can mark it off, give me a certificate, so it just saves you having to line up and do it do up it there, day, yeah. saves a lot of time and a lot of headaches and takes that sort of nervousness out of the day that you forgot something. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so come down, we've got um, everything there that you need. And you can start those Ultra Trail 100 checks from now? From now, okay. yeah. Yep. All right. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I've already, we've done a few, so people yeah, start okay. to come in, so. I'll have to get down there. Yes. Ultra Trail 100 <laughs> for me this year. Great. Yeah, signing up with the big dogs. Whew. All right, mate, that's good. Good news. I'm glad the shop's going well, and um, we'll see you up here training for that uh, Ultra Trail 50 for you, mate. Yeah. I will, mate. Yeah. Yes. That's good. Looking good forward to, to it. 50 for 50. <laughs> Unreal. All right, mate. Thanks for joining us. Catch up soon. Thanks, Paul. Okay, and uh, we're back. Thanks, Sean and Hattie. Well done. All right, so first listen to question, mate. It's coming from Matt Tote, who uh, also a bit of a gun uh, touch footy player from what I've, what I've heard. He, he wants you just to recount the full story of the night of Bay Lou. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure what that means, but um, yeah, I, I, I think you can shed some light on it for us. Oh, mate, that's a bit of a stitch up from Matt Tope, I think. Um, yeah, Toby's. Toby's a bloke that I probably learned a lot of life lessons on as well as as well as touch lessons, but um, I think I might leave the Bailey the Bailey one out of it. <laughs> it involved a lot of beers, and uh, I think I think it was actually me running away from something. So I think the bloke was I don't know, he was quite large. So yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's probably where my running came from, to be honest. So. That's, that's right. <laughs> just just getting chased. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> I probably mate, started it to be honest. Mate, it's uh, it's better than fight. Flight's always better than fight. It's perfect. Mate. So yeah, that, yeah. Thanks, right. Dad. Thanks, Dad. Well done. Good stitch up, mate. I've got another one from a fellow uh, fellow touch football. I don't think this is quite as juicy as that, but um, this is coming from Sean Street. So, being a Sagittarius, obviously I can only eat carbs between seven and ten p.m. <laughs> It is also important that I is it also important that I mix kale and bacon in equal quantities, or is that more of a Virgo thing? <laughs> I, I, I'm not 100 percent sure this is referencing, but uh, you might be able to shed some light on it, mate. Yeah, so I believe it's referencing a uh, recent post that I put up to say that uh, kind of your star sign or your blood type has nothing to do with the, your dietary intake. So 
appreciate the question, Streety. Um, <laughs> you eat whatever you want. My, my saying is always that whatever you eat has no effect on my body. So, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, unless, unless people are giving some pretty terrible advice, that's when I'll start to maybe intervene a little bit. Yeah. But uh, yeah. in terms of what people eat, it's, I, I believe it's completely up to up to them so yeah. i mean yes stick on your kale smoothie there streety <laughs> but is that is that fitting and there's a uh, a star sign based diet out there in the ether yeah yeah i mean it got thrown it got thrown up on on socials uh, a couple of months ago i think and a lot of people sent it through to me to be like oh. thoughts on this and yeah i mean it's since been taken down so good on the company for for realizing that but okay. uh yeah there's a lot of trash out there so unbelievable and you must be wading through a fair bit of it dealing with the public yeah, I guess that's kind of why I got into what I'm doing at the moment in terms of um, my own business with nutrition is 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 to demystify that that world. There is a lot of there's a lot of kind of smoke and mirrors in that nutrition world. Um, it's a hard science anyway to because it's really hard to um, have cause and effect if, if that makes sense with, with nutrition because we can't isolate one. Um, one aspect of study food. of one person yeah so it's really difficult to do so we rely on animal studies and we rely on observational studies and um, sometimes that's not good enough but in that space as well as a real lack of regulation um, there is a lot of um, misinformation out there and that's the whole point that I wanted to try and start more conversations around to um, to give people back the choice in their food and, and to give them more ownership of what they do with, with their food choices. So, and it shouldn't be that difficult. Yeah, yeah, totally agree, mate. And do you want to, I guess, fill the listeners in on what, uh, um, what, what your business is and how they can find you there? Yeah, so I uh, kind of started started this year. It's been coming for probably 18 months mm. at, at this point. And uh, it's just Chapo Health and Nutrition. So... Mm. Um, yeah, got a website and, and, and through socials there, but it's, as I said, it's just about opening up those conversations, whether it's one-on-one or I'm doing a lot of more seminars now, mm-hmm. um, just to, to get back to basics with nutrition and, yeah. and, uh, you know, really, really wade through that, that, uh, um, kind of bullshit kind yeah. of nutrition world. So for sure, it yeah. just doesn't need to be as complicated as it's been. Made. Definitely not. Yeah, that's, no. that's sort of my opinion yeah. there. It's It'd be nice to hear some clarity around that, mate. So hopefully, if anyone's interested in uh, hearing some clarity and getting rid of the bullshit, jump <laughs> on board, Chapo. Um, this is coming from Scoot Richmond. Speaking, <laughs> good, of, good speaking of bullshit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I've seen a couple of brands of zero alcohol added electrolyte beer come across my news feed. Will this actually aid in my run recovery, or should I stick to my full strength and salty pretzels? Mate, again, do, do you, you do you. <laughs> no, it's, uh, I guess, yeah, I mean, it's, it's completely a personal thing, right? Well, yeah. What people kind of recover with and there's certain, uh, there's certain things that are, that are out there in terms of, you know, replacing fluids, re- replacing electrolytes and, and uh, you know, kind of some carbohydrate and protein blends. Um, I mean, our bodies are pretty good at, at, at doing that. Um, we've got a bit of a window after we finish something that, that uh, you know, if we can get some food in there that really ticks off the ones that I just mentioned, yeah. um, it's really good. But it, we're, we are really good in the, in the later kind of 12 to 24 hours after our body does um, do quite well in, in taking those nutrients. Okay, so still absorbing quite well in that period of time, that first half an hour. Yeah. While important, not. Yeah, it's not it's not hugely important. Okay. Um, 
But I would say in terms of making sure you're ticking things off, it's, it's fluids, it's electrolytes, and it's probably protein okay. um, in yeah. terms of recovery. And that, that's also dependent on how heavy a session you're probably going to do the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more important to, to get something in after that session if you've got a heavier session the next day. So, yep, yeah. yep. What, what's our ability to uptake protein directly after a session? I see these, you know, massive protein sort of powder shake stuff yeah. with grams and grams and grams. Are we sort of pissing a bunch of that out or how much yeah. can we absorb? There's, uh, there's in, the, in the research, there's kind of a anabolic threshold, if that makes sense. It's a bit of a window. Um, in terms of the intake that we have across the day, I would probably focus less on what we do after a session. Because mm-hmm. uh, I mean, yeah. you know, um, previously there'd be gym goers that go to the gym and then they finish up and they'll smack 100 grams more of, of protein. And, and as you said, there's, a, there's kind of an upper limit of what we can intake. So, but also there's a lower limit and we probably don't get enough protein intake across the day and that's very beneficial whether you're an athlete or not and and that that comes um in every meal that we have right so spacing out our protein is really important regardless of your uh, fitness goals and and that that magic number is around about 1.6 to 2.2 grams per kilogram per day so if people can work that out based on their own their own weight um and 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 tick those off um in terms of kind of weight loss or 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 fitness goals it really does it really does help and and uh it also helps with satiety as well Mm -hmm. um so so those kind of afternoon snacks or things like that if we're if we're ticking off that protein intake as well as um a bit of fiber as well which is an unsung hero um then we're we're doing quite well uh in terms of satiety as well so So feeling full yeah, that, that, that feel, feeling of, of fullness. So, um, yeah, that 1. 1.6 to 2.2 grams um, and, and try and space that out across the day. A, a really rough idea of that is kind of, uh, I think it's about 20 grams to about 40 or 50 grams per meal. Yeah. Um, so if people are trying to tick that off, and I would say probably the, um, the breakfast meal is probably the one that misses out. Mm. Um, so I guess kind of some protein or um, sorry some some peanut butter or some protein rich um, yogurt is a really good addition yeah. to your breakfast. Yeah, yeah. okay, it's interesting. Just not the, the bread and cereal sort of stuff. We're, yeah, we're gotten used to. Yeah. Well, that, that was a really roundabout way of telling Scoot that he should just not bother with the electrolyte <laughs> and just have his chocolate milk instead post run. Yeah, chocolate milks, chocolate milks are good, but uh, yeah, <laughs> st- stick to your beers, Scotty. Tuck in. Nothing wrong with a beer, that's for sure. <laughs> Thanks to Sydney Brewery, by the way. Um, this is coming from Tall Paul. I'm, I'm thinking about becoming vegan, but don't have social media. Is it possible to become vegan without telling everyone about it? Um, not sure, actually. Yeah. <laughs> no, nothing against uh, nothing against vegans at all or, or vegetarians. It's actually, um, you know, quite a sustainable way of eating. And yeah. I would, um, I guess... What I would argue is is that we probably should be not not eating that way all the time, but uh, if we are meat eaters and we can still be healthy meat eaters mm-hmm. um, for sure, um, but the the way that we should be going in terms of uh, our health and I guess to some degree the environment as well is is what I'd like to call a plant slant. Yeah. Um, so leaning a lot more towards our, our fruit and veg. Mm-hmm. Um, so and, and I guess. In Australia, um, I think it's something like 
I think it's just shy of 50% of Australians get their fruit, their two serves of fruit a day, mm. and 92% of Australians don't get their vegetable intake. Is that a fact? Five yeah. veggies a day, and I'm yeah. that. So, I mean, as, as a first point of call for any nutritional advice, yeah. is, is to tick that off, and yeah. then go to whatever your next step is. So, um, Isn't that fascinating? It is, it really is. Living in a country of such abundance as well, you know, it's yeah. not like it's not available. And we're, we're in this really, um, interesting space at the moment especially around the world that we've got um you know people dying of malnutrition and then people dying from the uh, on the other end of the scale you know what i mean so we've got this uh yeah we've got both sides of the scale where where nutrition nutrition can be the key to a lot of different things right and and it is a it's definitely a target area for um addressing a lot of these issues And, and there's there's a, a kind of a myriad of different ways that we can do that and and there are a lot of aspects that are involved in the way that people eat food but um i mean yeah as, as we're talking about before going back to basics is is really one of those key elements to say to giving people back ownership of the way that they consume food and and being able to tackle those those bigger issues yeah but i mean if you're saying that 92 percent of aussies aren't getting five serves of veggies that's a pretty easy start isn't it yeah for sure and and i guess the with uh the work that i do with new south wales health we do a lot of kind of kindy orientations and we talk to families a lot about about kind of you know increasing fruit and veg intake for our kids Mm -hmm. and one of the easiest things that we tell them is is to um is to try and get it in throughout the day so uh, it's really difficult to squeeze in five serves of veggies in your dinner meal which a lot of people do which is fine it's completely fine but also you sometimes miss the mark with that you'll put in three or you put in four so you know you you know you cut up carrot sticks or your cucumbers or things that you have frequently throughout the day um is going to really play into your both your health and your kids health yeah. long term do we, do we just need to change the phrase meat three veg to meat five veg would that make a difference yeah <laughs> i think that that'd be a starting point but um yeah but as i, as I said in terms of being a uh a vegetarian, a vegan, or, or a meat eater. There's no, there's no right way to do that. Yeah. Um, it's uh, you can be an unhealthy vegetarian, you can be an unhealthy meat eater, you can be a healthy yeah. vegan, vegetarian, meat eater. So it's it's one of those things where it depends on the context of how people are eating their food. Yeah, yeah. of course. And, and do you have a, a whole bunch of, I guess, work to do in that space after the game changes doco came out? Were you fielding questions left, right, and centre? Yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a frustrating one there's a lot to unpack from that documentary yeah. and my first point of advice is to not get nutrition advice from a netflix from a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's, that's the great advice. yeah but i mean yeah i guess people being told to eat you know um two two bits of fruit and, and five veggies each day and um you know suddenly a netflix documentary comes out and everyone's like <laughs> i'm plant-based now so <laughs> it's funny you just can't make a compelling netflix yeah. documentary out of yeah. two pieces of fruit and five pieces right. of vegetables. so it's a shame but i mean however that works i don't care how the marketing comes across if, if if that's kind of pushed people towards um eating more vegetables throughout the day it's yeah. it's, it's effective and yeah. it doesn't matter how it's how it's happened yeah, so, and, yeah. I, and i guess that for me that was probably where the, the doco just lost a little bit if they had a been a little bit less rigid about yeah. you know, vegan yeah. being the way. If they had said the plant slant, like yeah. you described, yeah. I think it would have been much more powerful and I think many more people would have jumped on board yeah. uh, rather than being turned off by, I can't do this all day. Yes, yeah. and it's difficult. Really. And it's so difficult to change so many aspects of the way that you eat overnight to go, now I do this. And, and they're, not, they're not sustainable, right? So mm-hmm. if, you, if you make slight changes to your 
to your diet and, and that's consistent over time, that's way more beneficial than a diet that lasts two weeks and, yeah. and you're back out of it. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, on uh, the Chinwag podcast, this is relating more to running, I love your quote about a 5K walk is better than a 10K run that never happened. And yeah. So I've been, I've been turning that over in my head the whole way and it's, it's very similar to that, you know, mm. like... Small changes are better than big changes that only yeah. last two weeks. You know, yeah, so. and I always talk to people about when they're, they're like, oh, well, I, you know, I don't like running or I don't like this. And it's like, well, don't do it. Mm. Find something, you know, if you enjoy kicking a soccer ball with your kids, do that. And that's yeah. movement, right? So yeah. it, it, it's all about your life. You don't have to watch other people out there running or, or lifting in the gym. You don't have to go and do that if mm. it's not your thing. Mm. Uh, no, it's good. Very interesting. So I've got... Um, I've got to listen to questions coming from Baron Pierre de Coubertin. <laughs> so, after being awarded my prestigious award as a young pup, do you feel you've conducted yourself in a manner befitting the Olympic movement throughout your life and sporting career? That's a big, uh, big question from someone that's deceased. But <laughs> yeah, we, don't, we don't get too many posthumous. Uh... <laughs> um, no, I think that's uh, the Pierre de Coubertin award. It's it's something that's it, it's it values kind of the way you hold yourself around sport and. And I guess that is something that I that I value personally and, and within sport is um, is is obviously competing quite well or, or trying to, to push yourself to that next level, but also enjoying yourself along the way. It's mm. it's pointless it's pointless racing with people. Um, you know, if you're going to get angry with someone that's beaten you or or you know push you on the start line or elbowed you on the start line, it's mm. it's kind of part of it, and it's just. I don't know, it's, there's something so enjoyable about being around like-minded people at that start line. Yeah, totally agree, mate. I think the Baron would be proud. would <laughs> 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 be proud. This is a bit more specific about nutrition, but uh, it's coming from Lisa from the Ponds Institute. I've recently been told I have the bones of a 90-year-old, but I'd like to continue my sub-elite tra- trail running career. How can I absorb more calcium and vitamin D into my system? Yeah, uh, good question, and it's it's a pretty, um, I guess it's a pretty pretty big one in terms of the way we absorb, absorb things, and then I, I guess progressively as we as we get older, that um, that bone mineral density, and 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 then further to that is is the risk of osteoporosis. So, I think the biggest things um, for to reduce that barrier is is one um kind of weight bearing exercise mm-hmm. it is really proven to to kind of increase or, or lessen lessen the risk sorry of, yeah. of osteoporosis um calcium intake and vitamin d they kind of go to, together mm-hmm. um and i guess in this world where uh there's there's a lot of marketing around milk alternatives mm-hmm. um is i was actually listening to a webinar today where where someone was saying that for those that aren't um, getting that, that milk intake, um, whether they're lactose intolerant or not, that, that perception that they are lactose intolerant is stopping them from drinking milk. So therefore, um, they're reducing their calcium intake by 200 to 300 um, grams per day. Yeah. So it's, it's something that's um, quite significant and when you build that up over time, mm. it's, it does become a bit of an issue. So I guess, um, you know, milk isn't everyone's cup of tea. Um, so, and I mean, it, my question to people would be, why Why are you, you know, are you, are you not drinking milk? Because everyone else is not drinking milk? Because yeah. that's a, that's a, there's a lot of 
kind of conversations around that. It's bigger than my own, definitely. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're drinking it, just if you're not drinking it because other people aren't drinking it, mm-hmm. um, potentially go back and see where the issues are. There are, if you do see um, kind of digestive issues with, with milk, um, then the, the research suggests that if you're having small bouts, so, small amounts of that mm-hmm. with a meal, mm-hmm. um, you're probably going to have less digestive issues with that as well. Okay. So, potentially try that. Yep. Um, if you're having milk alternatives, really look for those calcium fortified ones because some of them aren't and we're assuming that because it says milk on the label it's white and it's wet exactly that you're getting that calcium uptake so Mm -hmm. um and just look for yeah look for calcium in in some other foods um as well so that's if 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 you don't drink drink milk but yeah calcium vitamin d and and, um you know weight on on your bones exactly lifting lifting some weights every now and then and, and going for a run or a walk yeah um, the so, staples. Yep, pretty much. There you go, Lisa. Back to basics for you. <laughs> All right, so this is uh, more, some more gut health stuff. This come from Swampy Tap. So, um, I think you're making these up at this point. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm just protecting the innocent. Um, uh, I'm worried that modern agriculture is destroying our soil and consequently our microbiomes. This is heavy. Uh, contributing to allergy, obesity, and poor mental health. Apart from drinking the muddy pond water on my trail runs, what's the best way to improve my fragile microbiome? <laughs> oh, there's a lot to unpack in that question. That's <laughs> deep, mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I would say that probably in terms of our gut microbiome, it's actually a really interesting space for science at the moment. It's, and I would say it's in its infancy, right? Yep. Um, so people that are going to claim that they can fix your gut health overnight, um, kind of few red flags there. Yeah, sure. Um, and there, there's a lot there's a lot of information on it at this point, but there is still a lot of study that needs to be done. Um, in terms of our mi- um, microbiome, the, probably the best way to describe it, the best way that it was described to me was that uh, kind of um, think of the, the floor and the ceiling as a forest, both, both floor and ceiling. And... Uh, and that forest is made up of kind of trees and shrubs and, and smaller plants. So think of that as our gut microbiome and we need to feed those, right? So we, we first need a good species in there. So we want as many species as we possibly can. Yep. And the way that we do that is through a variety of um, plant-based foods. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we need to feed those, right? So, so we first need a, a lot of species in there and then we need to feed them. That, and I guess that's the best analogy to use for our um, microbiome a really good uh a really good kind of number for people to keep in their head is is 30 different plant-based foods in a week okay so if you're kind of ticking that off you're you're 30 in a week that's a good goal 30 different plant-based foods in a week um i mean if and if you get to 27 you're still doing better than not thinking about it at all so um that's kind of I mean, I've, I've, I've read a bit, a fair bit on, on the microbiome and there is still so much there. And, and there is a lot of links with our immune system and our mental health as well. So, I mean, watch this space. Over the next 10 years, there'll be some stuff out. But, yeah. I mean, it's very early days at this point. Yeah, I, I really feel like exercise over the last decade has shown some amazing results with those sorts of things. But I think the next decade is going to be all nutrition-based stuff. Yeah. And I think, mate, you're in a great position yeah, I mean... To, to influence some people. Yeah. yeah. I mean, people people eat, you know, three times a day. We've got a choice to vote how we eat three mm-hmm. times or three or more times a day, right? Yeah, so yeah. Um, everyone's got a vested interest in it. So mm-hmm. you're always going to strike up conversation 
um, by talking about food and, and food should be spoken about, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's so enjoyable and part of our life. Yeah, it brings people together. So why yeah. not? Bloody oath, mate. All right, there you go, Swampy. Food question. This is a little bit more poo talk, actually. So from the florist course, I can no longer afford to use my expensive Steigen socks as toilet paper while out on the trail. Apart from the obvious advice of packing toilet paper, what's a foolproof way to stop myself needing to crap on the run? I would say nothing's foolproof. <laughs> um, no, I, I would say, yeah, try and, try and steer clear of fibrous foods yeah. um, before before your race and, and I guess throughout your race. And so white bread versus yeah. multi-grain bread. Yeah, yeah so yeah. I would say, yeah, pers- personally I would eat week in, week out, I'd, I'd eat multi-grain bread. Mm-hmm. Um, before a race, I'd purposely buy white bread. Yeah. Um, kind of those, the GI foods that are a bit shorter in terms of their spike, mm-hmm. so um, they spend less time in your gut as well, so yeah. there's there's less likelihood that they're going to cause um, gastro gastrointestinal distress, I guess. So, um, opting for those simpler carbs, which again is not good public health advice, but great for us. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and then I guess high, higher fatty foods as well is is kind of something to steer steer clear of if okay. you can. So, um, yeah, I'd start with those and mm-hmm. and just play around. Obviously, don't try anything new on race day, but. Um, yeah, it's something to yeah to think about. Fiber is one of those things, and 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 the um, the simpler carbohydrates is probably yeah. where I'd start. All right, there you go, Floris. White bread and mustics. <laughs> Piece of cake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good. Um, couple couple more nu- nutrition questions, I guess, before we, we 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 move on. So, is the middle age spread an avoidable myth? What, what do I need to think about personally? As I get older, from a yeah. dietary perspective, yeah, I guess this kind of gets a bit of a, a bad name in terms of um, gaining a few extra kilos as as we get older. So I would say the first thing that most people do is is blame your metabolism, mm-hmm. and and that's a complete write off, right? It's, it's something that people go, oh well, it's my metabolism. I'll you know I'm all good. Um, our kind of basal metabolic rate, which is um, the way that we function, our metabolism is pretty much everything that functions within our body. It's mm-hmm. It's a very complex system that I don't know fully about either. Um, but our metabolism slows at approximately 1% to 2% for every decade, right? So it's not significant. So it's Yeah, so it's not significant enough for us to actually that. blame that's that. That's great. So that's where I'd start. I'd start by stop blaming the uh, metabolism yeah. for everything. And I guess this is a uh, this next part is kind of coupled. So I would say that we we probably overestimate the amount of exercise that we're doing as we get older and we underestimate the amount of food we're intaking okay and i mean it's the most simple equation in the world that that whole calorie in calorie out to to get to say um in that in that calorie balance it's it's the most simple equation in the world but when you relate that back to lifestyle and things like that and and you know as you get older and you get a bit more comfortable in life where you know you, you enjoy a few more wines or things like that it's it's completely fine but uh, what it's I say, it's yeah, it's a balance, and I guess um, on that note, it's it's one of those things where if you gained a kilo every year from from now until you know you're sixty or sixty five, you wouldn't notice that kilo next year. But when you're sixty five, you've you've added however many kilos to you know what I mean, and that, yeah. that that's where it gets to the point where you go, oh, hang on, how do how do I get here? Yeah, um, yeah. I, I see it see it every day in clinic. I reckon yeah. like. 
Yeah, so someone just doesn't understand that they're 25 kilos overweight because yeah. it happens so insidiously over time. Yeah, exactly. Time. And then, yeah, it's never going to happen overnight that you gain 20 kilos. No. So it's, um, yeah, it's probably overestimating the amount of exercise or movement that we're doing. Yeah. So non-exercise activity thermogenesis is another one that contributes, yeah. um, which is our fidgeting and, yeah. and going, going up to make a cup of coffee or things like that. So mm-hmm. that that's significantly impacts. And then, as I said, yeah, um, underestimating the amount of food that we're eating. Okay. Yeah. So fit or more. <laughs> Not yeah. sure if that's the message. <laughs> <laughs> Couple less wine, and maybe weigh yourself once a year, just yeah. in case. I mean, you do. Yeah, it's your it's your lifestyle. <laughs> if you enjoy it and you're still moving, unreal. <laughs> oh, I love it. All right. So we've had some serious public health advances, and I've seen you speak about it some folate, sunscreen, amazing things that have made massive differences to our life as mm. a general sort of, uh, our general health and we're much better off for all these things. Is the problem with weight that we still haven't found the magic bullet or do we just need to take more responsibility? Yes, that's a really good question um, in terms of that balance and, and I guess, you know, there, there is no magic bullet out there. It's, it's been said a lot, a lot of times, but there really isn't. It's, it's um, and I guess it kind of sits in the balance between really good public health policy and individual choice, right? So, I mean, you can you can lead a horse to water, right? It's not gonna, you know, it's not necessarily gonna drink. So we need the right programs in place to support people's environment um, in terms of movement and, and healthy food choices. But also people need some, um, once they have that knowledge and those programs and, and understanding, uh, I mean, yeah, there, there is some kind of level of, of individual um, need, yeah. I guess. So it kind of lies in the middle there. There's a lot of nuance in, in that. And I mean, just to, you know what I mean? It's such a, uh, a simple question to say, how do we cure obesity? Or how do we, you know, how do we bring the, the weight down of our, I think it's something like, I think it's something like 12 and a half million Australians, 60 67% of Australians are above a healthy weight. Mm-hmm. How do we reduce that? And it's such a simple question to ask, but the, the answer to that, when you ask a simple, if, if you ask a simple question, you, you don't always necessarily get a simple answer. Well, it's obviously not a simple answer. No, it's not. Otherwise, we would have figured that out years and years ago. So um, it's just one of those things where we do need to support people um, in, in their quest for, for a healthy lifestyle. And that, and that comes with regardless of what weight you are. So mm. there's a concept about health health at every size. Um, and and the, that concept is like, whether you're in a smaller body or a larger body, the, the same public health advice uh, applies. So mm. it's, it's exactly the same. So, and if you listen to that and, and, and apply it, then technically you should be living a healthier, happier life. So mm. there's, there's a lot of nuance in there. there. There needs to be support for people. And I guess people that are like, oh, you know, just don't buy that stuff. You know, there's so much in terms of availability and food marketing and mm-hmm. where people live, what their environment's like, whether they have a built-up environment and don't have a park next door. It's so difficult to just suggest one thing that might work. And I guess in the public domain, that's what a lot of people do. They're like, just, just do it. Like, just move more. And it's like, it's difficult for people and we need to accept that that's a barrier. Yep. And I guess um, where, where I've come from with research previously is is social marketing. So social marketing is trying to sell you a behaviour change. So to say that this barrier, we understand this is a barrier for you. We're going to reduce that barrier and try and bring you over to, to a healthier lifestyle. So that's what 
that's what social marketing is mm-hmm. as opposed to social media which a lot of people confuse the two yeah, yeah. definitely not the case um, but it's understanding people's barriers and reducing them and, and providing incentive for moving into a healthier lifestyle I guess yeah there's yeah. a lot of nuance in that yeah, yeah absolutely uh, I think I think probably the first sort of hurdle is the information you know like yeah I think you know, you're talking about 92 percent of people not getting enough veggies, yeah. and and we're talking about you know zodiac sign yeah. marketing bullshit. Yeah. But you know a lot of people in Australia have seen that, and maybe a bunch of them sort of took that on for some reason. And yeah, I think the information is just so important in that respect. And that's why I jumped into this space because I was like, if there's not information, if, if I'm not putting information out there, someone else is going to, whether it's right or wrong. Um, and on that on that point, I mean, I, I work for New South Wales government, so and, and there's a lot of things that you need to tick off before something goes out, right? Mm. And and that's that's fair enough because they're they're a legitimate government body that needs to have the right information going out. But you take the the, the hoops that we need to jump through to get a message or a flyer out there, as opposed to someone who just posts something on Instagram that goes, not sure if this is correct, but it's going out. And I'm going to get heaps of likes for it. Yeah. Um, that's that's the that's the playoff that we're working with, um, and it's in real time. It might take a couple of months to prove something from a government point of view, and and someone throws this out in a couple of hours, and it's like you can't compete with that. No, no, no. It sounds like uh, New South Wales government needs to pay a whole bunch of influencers to do for them. Hey? Well, I don't know. You're <laughs> going down a rabbit hole. Here. If you can't beat them, join them. No, God, that'd be a nightmare. <laughs> Mate, uh, just just on that social media bit, so your humble attitude seems at odds with the current generation of Insta athletes. Do you intentionally shy away from that style of self-promotion and what makes you different from that kind of athlete? Yeah, I guess in this day and age, there is a need for some kind of self-promotion and um, without that, you're kind of dead in the water, I'd say. Like it's... um, and, and I know plenty of mates that are that have way more to offer than I do that that are not even on social media and, and I mean that they, they have so much value when you go and see them face to face and I mean the the beauty of social media is just a touch point right and and if you've got value as a person um, you should be able to offer more in person than you do on on, on social media so I'd, I'd probably hopefully pride myself on doing that first and if that all fell to shit tomorrow like I wouldn't care that much. I mean, it'd stop a lot of conversations, but I mean, I'd still hopefully have those conversations either in person or, or through a different meeting because, um, yeah, I believe it's just it's just a channel, right? It's just an opportunity to chat to people and, and open up conversations about certain things, and in my case, it's nutrition and health. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting world, and I think that if you if all you have to offer is is online and, and you don't have anything in person then i mean you're missing something yeah, yeah for sure oh yeah mate thank you very much for letting us look below the veneer of the social <laughs> media platform mate it's been very really valuable um I, I guess just want to know what's on the agenda which 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 continent are we going across what's what's next in the pipeline mate yeah well, i don't know if any other continent is uh, on the cards unless it's maybe antarctica where there's no people because yeah. uh, <laughs> covid's thrown a massive spanner in the works uh but yeah so a lot of local stuff and i guess that's what i did later in, in uh, late in, in 2020 is i had something in the back of my mind which was seven trials in seven days so did that with a good mate um and 
yeah, we had we had a good good crew that went along on the, on that run. So it was seven different trails across New South Wales because okay. it didn't it didn't require flights, it didn't require large mass participation. I was like, this is something that I can tick off mm-hmm. personally without any COVID restrictions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess it's just remodeling and reshaping how that looks. So I guess races are slowly coming back on the cards. So um, yeah, as I said before, hopefully Husky. Um, is, is on the cards and then Noosa later on Red Bull Defiance and a few a few other personal things that'll, that'll hopefully tick off that's yeah along the same lines as that uh, yeah the, the continent ones maybe not as big but just a different uh, different flavour I guess unreal so yeah. the brain's still ticking over then. it is yeah I don't know I need to turn it off I think <laughs> <laughs> get some sleep mate yeah. get some sleep <laughs> well mate thank you so much for, for joining us and uh, it's been a great chat we've uncovered some amazing info there I think yeah. we've We've done the gamut of nutrition pretty well. So, very good. Yeah, thank you very much, Chapo. Thanks, and, uh, mate. Yeah, we'll catch you out on the trail soon. Sounds good. Thank you.